Hello, my name is Ryan Jump, and thank you for joining us on Jump on Movies, podcast number nine. And as you know, I'm a former math and science teacher who loves movies and loves to try to find out if there are things in movies that we can learn from them by looking at quotes and other themes. And today I have a special guest, friend of mine named Andrew. Um, Andrew, say hello. Hello there. <laughs> so um, it was, I was doing my podcast on uh, Shutter Island and I was mentioning it to my friend, Andrew, and he thought, hey, would you like to do some of the Star Wars movies? And so here we are. So I just wanted to thank Andrew for um, talking to me about that. And uh, thank you for joining us on this long adventure. You're welcome. So um, today we begin the first uh, review on episode of the Star Wars movies with episode one, The Phantom Menace. And The Phantom Menace came out in 1999, and it stars Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman, for example. And it was released in 1999, um, almost 16 years after the premiere of the previous Star Wars film, Return of the Jedi. And overall, movie opinion reception was very positive. While the visual effects, action sequences, musical score, and some performances were praised, criticism largely focused on the character of Jar Jar Binks. Uh, it grossed more than $924.3 million um, back in the day, and that's actually equivalent to $1.42 billion dollars and 2019 money uh, during its initial theatrical run. And um, it was it was very, very popular among fans. Um, when I first saw the movie, I was in seventh grade. And I will say, though, that I did see the original trilogy beforehand. But the only things that I could I could really remember from The Phantom Menace being a seventh grader was the pod racing uh, part with Anakin and the fight uh, between the Jedi and Darth Maul. Um, Andrew, uh, when did you uh, see episode one and what was your initial opinion of it? So when I was a kid watching Star Wars, all six of the original movies were already out I don't remember which one I saw first, besides the fact that it was an original trilogy one. Although, when I was a kid, everything was Star Wars, so I loved it. And do you feel that um, your opinion of this of Phantom Menace has um, changed since you saw it first time? Did you Do you feel like you like it better or about the same? It's, like, changed just absolutely. Uh, as I said, when I was a kid, I thought it was a really good movie. I kind of didn't really like it as much in my middle teen years. Although now I kind of accept it for what it is and see its flaws. Right. So there are – it does have its flaws. Um, I will agree with Andrew that I didn't really like it as much when I saw it when I was a seventh grader. But I, I can appreciate it for certain things that it does have. 
So uh, we're just going to review certain things of the plot and uh, maybe point out some funny things, funny lines of dialogue, and uh, focus on the quotes and important things we can learn at the end. So here we go. So at the beginning, uh, we have the famous scrolling up, up opening credits. I'm glad they continued to do that with the prequel since it worked so well. It, it made it so epic with the uh, original trilogy, always seeing those quotes coming up with um, John Williams' score. And uh, we just see uh, two Jedi um, who are supposed to settle some kind of conflict of this trade blockade thingy, whatever. I wasn't sure what was going on. It just sounded like a bunch of <laughs> gibberish to me. But there we go. There's like a ship and there's droids. And oh, look at this. It's C-3PO. Or maybe it's not C-3PO. It's uh, TC-14. Um, and then we see not C-3PO sensing that Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn are Jedis. And... Um, Lord Sidious makes an appearance and says to kill the Jedi and I will make it legal. And I think that I will make it legal. Has that been made into a meme? Andrew, do you know about this? It just sounds like it's made, it's been made a meme. Made oh, a absolutely. Meme. Um, it's one of the most used meme templates in the community. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh uh, boy, this movie has, has, has some of those, doesn't it? Oh um, boy. Um, but then the Jedi destroy these droids, and then um, just kept skipping. They have to get away, um, and they get into some kind of ship or whatever, um, Starfleet ship, and they, I think they crash land. I'm not sure what happens, <laughs> but I think I think they get away, and they run into Jar Jar. Yay, everybody! Um, everybody's least favorite character. Um, but I, I recorded this, I wrote down this line of dialogue. Um, Liam Neeson is just awesome. Um, he says to Jar Jar Binks, you almost got us killed. Are you brainless? And Jar Jar Binks says, I spake. And Qui-Gon Jinn says, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. And, you know, you just kind of tell that if the Jedi hate Jar Jar Binks, then everybody's going to hate him. What? I mean, did you, was there anything, I mean, in Jar Jar Binks, he just, he's so annoying just how he speaks. It's like, he speaks in a certain language that is like, it's English, of course, but the way that he like adds like E's or just extra Z's or just like extra letters to words at times, I'm like, what the heck are you saying? It's just like so annoying. It's almost like he's talking like he's like a two-year-old or three-year-old, not the two-year-old and three-year-olds are annoying or anything, but it just like. It was just it was just so hard to like this character. Um, what did you think about Jar Jar Binks? That's just my point of view, but what did you think? Oh, he's horrible. <laughs> Everybody's right about him. I mean, I think he's really representative of what's wrong with this movie being the tone. George Lucas had said that he wanted to make this movie uh, for his kids, which he had recently had before Phantom Menace started being made. Um, hmm. He wow. wanted to make uh, it for them. Which I kind of think that that was the wrong move. There's a difference to me between a kid movie and a family movie. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is a family movie. It's meant to be enjoyed by everyone, and yeah, so yeah he's kind of earned some ire for uh, that move. Wow, wow, that's that's incredible insight there. Um, good to know. Um, 
eventually uh, Jar Jar Binks is, has been commissioned or allowed to help um, the two Jedi um, and just to, um, just to help them uh, warn Naboo of an attack by the drones. And so they get this uh, transport and during a the transport, they get chased. Jar Jar Binks and the two Jedi get chased by a goober fish. And here we come to possibly another meme. Uh, There's always a bigger fish, quote by uh, Liam Neeson. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like I've seen that as another meme, like always a bigger fish. I don't know. Have you seen that before or not really? It's Is that of, just me? I don't know. It's kind of a non-meme. Like people quote it really often and kind of laugh at it, but not really laughing at it. It's just a funny line. So it doesn't meet the, um, if we were going to like rank it on the uh, most used memes or most quoted memes. It um, like C tier. C tier, whereas I will make it legal is at least B plus tier. Oh, or, S plus. Yes, S plus P superior. Plus. Okay. There we go. Um, we also run into um, R2-D2. So that's always neat. He, I think the ship uh, gets fired upon um, after the Jedi's land at Naboo. And he fixes it. Fixes a shield generator that has been damaged. Uh, we get introduced. Well, we have Darth Sidious, and he wants the queen to sign this treaty. And Sidious has an apprentice played by Ray Park. So um, if you had uh, listened to my X-Men 1 podcast, uh, Ray Park played uh, the character Toad. But now here he is, uh, Darth Maul. So yay. So we get to see more of his um, action uh, later. But um, here we also meet uh, Padme. And uh, she is cleaning up R2-D2. Uh, we also meet Anakin. And we meet a flying toad. Toydarian creature, probably mispronouncing Toydarian. Is that how you say it? Toydarian creature named Watto. Um, and he is the slave master of Anakin. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, so um, the, uh, the, the Jedi uh, need to have their new, new parts for their ship and um, Anakin, who's a boy, um, he says that there's this pod race that he can race in and that if he gets first place with the winnings, he can have enough money to get to the Jedi so that they can repair their ship. Um, so Qui-Gon Jinn makes a deal with, the, uh, with Watto. And when Qui-Gon first goes to Watto to get him to front the money for Anakin's race, he tries to haggle for both Anakin and um, Anakin's mother's freedom. And Watto immediately shuts the proposition down, saying that the two slaves would be too much of a loss in any circumstances. 
So Qui-Gon settles for one of the two in which Waddle says he has a chance cube and whichever the two colors it lands on is the slave. So he'll get if Anakin wins the race. So basically saying that, well, I won't give you two slaves, but whatever color this is, um, you can get either Anakin or the mother and keep, and I'll keep one of the slave. And, um, you know, Liam Neeson's character, I'm sure he would like still like two, but he uses, he barely uses the force a little bit um, to change the color of the cube that's standing up so that Anakin is the one that gets to um, get freed from his slavery. Um, and I guess, well, I don't really, I want to just mention it just in case somebody had never seen any of the Star Wars movies, but um, what is what is the Force? I mean, th this is the first time, and chronologically speaking, we've, I mean, it might have happened earlier in the movie, but um, do you, when people talk about the Force or the Force be with you or things like that, uh, what are they talking about, Andrew? Well, like, what is the Force? Yeah, what is the Force, really? It's described as basically just being a mystical energy field. To quote Obi-Wan from A New Hope, it's an energy that surrounds us and binds us and penetrates us. It keeps us all together. Okay. So in layman's terms, I would say that it's just pretty much life. Okay. Okay. So when, and a Jedi has this ability to use this energy in order to... Just it almost, almost it's like uh, it's almost like telepathy for like mutants in a way. Maybe just to turn something. I don't know. It's I know it's totally different, but maybe. Um, I would. What would you? Would you? What would you think of that? Like you understand, like if somebody has telepathy and they can like make, move things, move objects. Well, the force also does that. But it's. I know it's a little different. But what, what would you say? Would that be like a, a, a comparison one could make? Yeah. Um, TK, telekinesis, I mean, mm. you see that yeah. in a lot of different, like, superhero movies and everything. I don't think that that's a far-fetched comparison. Okay, that's what I meant to say, telekinesis, not telekinesis. Yeah. I'm glad you knew what I meant. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about, and I'm supposed to know the expert inside <laughs> and out, you know? I guess not. <laughs> uh, so, um, but, um... There's a discussion um, with um, Qui-Gon Jinn and, and, and um, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Liam Neeson's character, Qui-Gon Jinn, is, is, is talking about Anakin and saying to Obi-Wan, saying that, well, you know, this, this kid, Anakin, he seems really special. Um, he says that, well, this kid Anakin knows nothing of greed. He has special powers. He can see things before they happen. That's why he appears to have such quick reflexes. It's a Jedi trait. Um, and then there's this interesting conversation between Qui-Gon Jinn and Anakin's mom, because we're trying to figure out, well, who was Anakin's father? Anakin's mom says, there was no father. I carried him, I gave birth, I raised him. I can't explain what happened. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this rationale as to how Anakin was conceived? 
So there's a prevailing fan theory that says that the Emperor Sidious, sometime before the movie started, accidentally made Anakin with the midichlorians. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure if that's canon or not, though I do think it makes sense with what we know about the Force and the universe. It's an idea I really subscribe to. Okay, okay, good, good, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, um, at least it's, it's some explanation, um, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it for that. Um, so Qui-Gon Jinn gets a blood sample from Anakin without Anakin knowing what he is doing. And he gets uh, uh, these uh, mid-chlorian count. And apparently the mid-chlorian count is over 20,000, which is higher than Master Yoda. Um, so that's something very interesting. So, um, so that they, they know that this kid is really, really, you know, special. Um, one of a kind. Uh, something funny is that um, we um, C-3PO, we see C-3PO, the real C-3PO, not the one that says, hey, there's Jedi here, kill them. <laughs> Uh, so that was the that, that was non C three PO. This is the real one, and he was built by Anakin, and, and he wasn't completely finished. But he says that he'll never be forced to get onto another starship. And I just found that funny because it happens a lot later over the course of the series of the movies. So I just think that was a funny little, you know, tidbit over there. Um, what did you think of C three PO, like the unfinished C three PO we got in the Phantom Menace? Do you remember him at all, really? Yeah. Or? Yeah, that, I thought the design was really cool. I, I like seeing all the wires exposed. Yeah, though I'm not a big fan of the decision to have Anakin have made C-3PO. I don't really think it adds anything. If anything, it subtracts. Seeing how much, like especially in Empire Strikes Back, Vader and C-3PO interact with each other, and they there's nothing built on oh, there. Oh, they they like act like they've never seen each other yeah. before, and wow. I mean, unless it says, well, Vader was so far gone there. It's just like, you know, he suppressed that memory because he's, a, I don't know. <laughs> I make a lot of excuses for that sort of characterization. I actually really like it as far as just Anakin and Vader distinctly being two different people. Though, mm. when it comes to him not recognizing somebody, uh, that's a little too far. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So I mean, I mean, well, when George Lucas did that original trilogy, he didn't know, I guess, that he was going to be a prequel. But how to? It's almost like sometimes um, with like uh, the Big Bang Theory and the Young Sheldon. I just, I just, I don't watch Young Sheldon really, but I sometimes hear like, see, now there's this big plot hole in Big Bang Theory because young this thing happened in Young Young Sheldon and stuff like that, and just you know. Well, I think but. some of that fan service stuff is a problem with the prequels to some degree. We'll get to the other examples and other reviews, but like, um, yeah, I just a lot of these weird sorts of cameos and introduced characters that, even if they don't necessarily break canon or anything, it just it just feels weird that they're in there. Yeah, totally agree. Um. So we find out, so Anakin's getting ready for the race and finds out that we have, he has never 
even finished a race, let alone won a race. And we see Jabba the Hutt, like, eating something or whatever. And, and then um, everybody starts their engines. And um, I don't know. I thought, I mean, the race happens. And, I mean, it's kind of entertaining. But I don't think there's necessary really going to what exit, like, what actually happens in the race. Like I know there's like, there's a, there's a character in the race that tries to sabotage uh, Anakin's pod racer at least a couple times. And Anakin eventually recovers. And I would, do you have anything to say really? That was interesting. Um, or Jabba the Hutt being another one of those weird fan service characters was one yeah. thing. Although uh, for uh, one of the more positive things. Yeah. I think it's a really fun race. Yeah. Uh, it's really just exciting. Uh, it is. I also like the tension that uh, comes with Anakin never having won a race before. True. Uh, the last thing I was going to say, more negative, I don't really care for how it's captured on camera as far as just, they constantly use a left-to-right pan when you're watching the movie as far as just to portray the, the movement of it. Oh. I remember wa- the last time I watched The Phantom Menace, it was with uh, an ex of mine. Okay. We sat there and kind of, in less than five minutes, there's 31 pans. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to do that, but it gets really boring after yeah. all seeing the same camera movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the earlier days of CGI, blue, blue screen screen. Oh, why? I mean, mean, just kids would like it, but it's a minor nitpick, I know. Yeah. uh, More and more as I get in the film, I can't help but notice things like that. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing for, you know, that makes a good film critic to be able to see those things and stuff. Um. So, Anakin wins the race. Surprise. Um. Um, and uh, Watto doesn't want to give up Anakin, but he eventually relents, and Qui-Con Jinn tells Anakin that he is no longer a slave and will uh, be trained to be a Jedi, and um, he tells Anakin something, an important quote, which I'm not going to read right now. I'm going to say it uh, at the end, but uh, we will get into that. Um, basically telling Anakin that, um, you know, he is very, very important. And it is, you know, being a Jedi, being a Jedi is not for sissies. So to put it very mildly and, uh, I don't know, juvenilely, I don't know. Uh, he uses better words than that, of course, because he's, uh, you know, Liam Neeson. So, <laughs> you know. Um, and then... Uh, Anakin uh, gives something he made to Padme, and Padme tells him that she will continue to care for him when they reach the capital. And Anakin says he cares for her too, just that he misses his mother, which is which which she completes his sentence, which is interesting. So already you see this kind of, even though I mean to me it looks like Padme is at least might be four or five years older. Than Anakin, but it seems like there's some so, kind of budding romance. I don't know what's going on. What do you have to say? So I looked it up recently because I don't. They actually look much further apart than they are. Okay, she's supposed to be 14 in the movie. Okay, he's eight, 
which is okay. still kind of disturbing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, they swapped out the actors in the next two movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, right. But, yeah, whatever. It's, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So, maybe the life expectancy wasn't that long. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, too much information. Yeah, I don't know which one oh. of those two ages are more disturbing to me. Yeah, yeah. If, like, if he was 12 and she was 14, that'd be better. For 16, you know, but okay. Um, and then a scene later, scene later, uh, it's a uh, meanwhile at Jedi Council night, we see Yoda and Nick Fury himself, who says, May the force be with you. Oh, not Nick Fury, I'm sorry, wrong movie. Um, Samuel Jackson, as a as another Jedi, uh, we I didn't catch his name. I know he is Windu. Mace Windu, that's right. He he serves a prominent role in one of the later prequel ones. Um, but I just had to get that uh, Nick Fury bit in there. So, because I'm um, stupid sometimes. Um, so, Qui-Con Jinn gets ready to leave, but Yoda says if there's something else he wishes to tell him. And then uh, Qui-Con Jinn tells him that I've encountered a virgence in the Force. And tells them that it was possible that he was conceived by the midi-chlorians. Um, so during the Jedi test, the other Jedi see that Anakin is fearful of losing his mother. And Anakin doesn't see why that is important. But Yoda says, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. And, you know, it's... It's interesting. I mean, Anakin still doesn't understand why he doesn't want to, why he doesn't want his mom, doesn't want his mom to die, why that should mean that he's going to join the dark side. But it's just, I mean, what did you think of that part? So we know that the Jedi are ultimately right. They're good. Although it's one of the things I've uh, come to really love about the prequels is how often they kind of critique the Jedi. But, I mean, mm. us as human beings, we really empathize with Anakin's uh, want to save his mother. Yeah. It's, it kind of comes off wrong that they're telling him to lock away that emotion. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why that's a good thing either. I mean, you know, just on a human standpoint, you know, if, like, you know, we had to, like, leave America for some reason and had to leave our, our mom behind and to do something else, but she, she could die. You know, we would be worried for her. We, you know, we love our mom and things like that. And if that's like a great sign of weakness, you know, <laughs> doubt me out, you know? Well, that's the thing too, is in the original trilogy, the, the viewpoint we're seeing, uh, the Jedi from is from the Jedi, Yoda and mm. Obi-Wan. And mm. we're also seeing it from this uh, boy from Tatooine that is just uh, rearing to become one. Mm. Uh, all we hear is about how noble the Jedi are and everything, but we don't really see the Jedi. That's yeah. how, And then when we see the Jedi here, you see how kind of like dogmatic they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Um... Um, Anakin, we, uh, just a couple, skipping a scene later, we get, uh, Anakin is wondering what a midi-chlorian is. And, um, 
Qui-Gon Jinn responds, midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells, and we are symbionts with them. What are symbionts? Anakin replies, they are life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. So, kind of gets us uh, some knowledge of the lore regarding the Force and the midichlorians. Um, when uh, Qui-Gon Jinn uh, talks about that, um, did that just leave you with more questions, Andrew, about what these things are, or did it like fulfill a void? Like, did it answer a question you had? Uh, to me and a lot of fans, no matter how much we've come to like the prequels over the years, the midichlorians is still something that we hate and we'll never stop hating. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I, yeah, we, we've never loved it. Okay, um, okay. I want to hear this. So, basically, how the Force is explained to us by Obi-Wan and the original trilogy they purposely kind of leave, leave it vague. I mean, how much do you get from it's an energy that surrounds us? And, or, mm. and I, I think, for one, that sort of vagueness leaves it open to be constantly expanded upon how you see with all these movies. Although, trying to uh, explain it in a scientific sort of viewpoint kind of just ruined the whole feel of the Force. I'm not sure who it was for, uh, but yeah, I could do without the midichlorians, honestly. Oh, okay. So after hearing about this discussion about the midichlorians, we have Jar Jar Binks leading everybody, all the good guys, to um the place where his people are at because they aren't in Gungan City. And we learned that Padme is actually the queen, not a servant of the queen. So the foe, fall queen, foe queen is merely a decoy. Oh boy, who didn't see that coming? And then the queen Padme begs the Gungan king to help them. And all the queen's people kneel, and the king agrees to be friends. So, did you did you see that coming when you saw that part, uh, Andrew? I was one of those dumb, gullible kids that, that didn't see it coming. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, um, just skipping ahead a little bit. Um. The, uh, the good guys, they're, they have this elaborate plot to um, take down the bad guys. I know I'm very, being very descriptive. Um, and Anakin is told to stay in this cockpit of the plane by a stern Liam Neeson and not to go with the Jedis and the Queen. And the door is open. And we get to probably the best part of the movie. It's Darth Maul time, baby. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Here we go. Best part. And Qui-Gon Jinn says, we'll handle this. While the queen says, we'll take the long way. And Anakin kind of uh, pushes buttons and somehow starts flying this plane into space. Okay, whatever. I don't know how it's all happening. 
But meanwhile, Darth Maul shows his acrobatics with jump kicks to both Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. He then leads them to the edge of a pit of some kind. Darth Maul kicks Obi-Wan off the platform, and Obi-Wan falls down, down, down to his death. Nope, not his death, but perhaps almost. He grabs a platform to, stops his, to stop his falling. And finally, our heroes do some damage to the bad guy. <laughs> With Qui-Gon Jinn hitting Maul in the face, causing Maul to fall down the chasm a little. But onto a narrow bridge of sorts, the two battled out man to man. While Obi-Wan watches from below for a few seconds. Then Obi-Wan says, well, I guess I'll go help him. And leaps up like, I don't know, 50 feet. And joins his friend in the fight. But somehow Maul leads Qui-Gon Jinn into a trap with a force field door closing in. Shutting off Obi-Wan from Qui-Gon Jinn and Qui-Gon Jinn from Maul. Um, and meanwhile, back to the Darth Maul fight. I skipped the scene. Involving Jar Jar Binks, and it's stupid, and that's why I decided to skip it. Because <laughs> we hate Jar Jar Binks. Okay, anyways, back to the Darth Maul fight. The force field deactivates somehow, I guess, so the fight is on. And Obi-Wan tries to rush in to help his mentor, but the force field activates again, and he is unable to help. I want to know, who the heck made this stupid force field activate and deactivate? That person has to die. Okay. Qui-Gon Jinn eventually gets hit in the face by Maul, then stabbed through the heart body, or harder body, and dies at Maul's hand. Obi-Wan yells, no! Um, so it looks really bleak. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn just died. Gungans have to surrender. Queen and her forces have to surrender. And Anakin probably is going to surrender. Or maybe he'll just do something. We just don't know. But then the Queen's decoy shows up out of nowhere and starts shooting at the droids. Yay! Um, and then Padme unlocks this armrest of a chair where a couple guns are located. That's convenient. And gives one to herself and her captain, and they begin taking out droids too. Then Padme says, Now, Viceroy, we will discuss a new treaty. Um, so at this part, what did you think of the first half of that fight between uh, Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm sorry, I, I was just on a roll. I didn't ask your opinion when it happened. But what did you think of that fight? So, yeah, it, it's it's an awesome fight. Uh, there's so many like minor nitpicks and everything that people still try to throw at it about how it's just like really weirdly choreographed. Whenever, I, I don't care. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's cool. I mean... If you compare it to the fight from, like, the first Star Wars movie between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul, I mean, Darth Vader, sorry, and the fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan, I mean, can you can you compare them? I mean... I think that there are two halves of the whole. Uh, the weaknesses of one is balanced out on the other. Basically, I think that um, the Obi-Wan and Vader fight from A New Hope it, the choreography for it looks terrible now. It looks like two old men like trying to like just nudge each other with sticks. <laughs> um, although the the story for it was really great, you, they kept like building this relationship between Vader and Obi Wan up over the entire movie. So to mm -hmm. see the Master and the Apprentice come together like after like twenty years was really cool. Although yeah. this fight with Maul, 
it has really cool like visuals and choreography and everything, but there's not really any sort of like connection to the fighters. They're just swinging lightsabers at each other. Right. Right. Oh, and the other thing too, is the score slaps. I mean, the, the other nitpick is how everybody likes to say it's just uh, a choir saying nothing in Sanskrit, but I don't know. I, I love like the whole orchestra and background music thing too. I think that's why I like it so much. Yes, yes, I would agree. The score by John Williams is just fantastic. Um, perfect bo- backdrop for the fight. Um, so now finally back to the... Oh, wait. And then what did you think of um, like the queen and the the decoy, you know, the decoy showing up to save the queen? I mean, where, did you expect that to happen or... Yeah, I kind of figure it happened just because, well, Luke has to be born. So. <laughs> I mean, what? Spoiler warning. Come on now. We don't do I'm that sorry, here. I'm, I'm sorry. Who was Luke? Yeah. <laughs> Luke, right? Uh, is that one soldier from Shining Force? No? Okay. <laughs> well, Video I mean, game. even then, if you watch a bunch of movies, that's just the kind of thing that happens if somebody comes the same day. So, I mean, it's kind of expected. It's, it's got to be somebody, cool. though. <laughs> Why didn't Jar Jar save the day? No. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, back to the second half of the Darth Maul fight. This time, Obi-Wan gets his time in the sun. And this fight seemed faster and more interesting, in my opinion, than the fight uh, with Qui-Con Jinn. Oh, um, Obi-Wan even slices Maul's, Maul, Darth Maul's lightsaber in half and I knocks him to the ground and Obi-Wan still gets kicked in the face at least once. Um, cause that's what Ray Park does. That's what he does. He, he kicked the uh, storm in the face at least once and X-Men. So now he's, he kicks Obi-Wan in the face. So that's to be expected, <laughs> but it's okay. We even you we even see Darth Maul use the force to throw Obi-Wan off the edge a little. Um, and I'm thinking this is the first time, Chronologically speaking, we see a a Darth a Sith Lord using the Force. Um, do you remember? Do you think that's true or absolutely not? Absolutely. No. Oh, okay, okay. No. Um, um, did I miss something? Vader. It, oh, chronologically. Oh, chronologically. Uh, okay, never mind. No, no complaints. Oh, okay, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sorry for loop there. Um, but uh, Obi-Wan holds on to this red rock or hook of sorts, and then Maul kicks Obi-Wan's saber off the edge and down the long hole. Um, and then uh, Anakin blows up. Uh, you told me he he's in the ship and he's, and he's just firing at things, and he's... He, did, he blow up, he, did he blow up a Federation base, or what did he? You gave me a name for it. I don't know it's what it's called. A, the model of the ship is called the Luke or Hulk. Luke, okay. And it's oh, just, like like Hulk Smash, Hulk. Yes. Awesome, Hulk Smash. The MCU. That's right. There we go. Hey, Nick Fury's in here. There has to be the Hulk. There we go. I didn't know we had a twenty fourth MCU movie. <laughs> That's right. You never knew. It was the secret one that came before the other Marvel ones. You Everybody know. Likes to forget about it. That's right. Kevin Feige, eat that. No, <laughs> oh, I was joking. No, um, um, I also really like that ship design too. Not to go too. Um, I, I no, like that's the really fine. Flying saucer look. Yeah, uh, it's really neat. It is pretty cool. But uh, as far as like just like how you get into it, you see like the two like 
ports on the side of the wings, whatever. It's really neat looking. Yeah, um, definitely. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. We got sidetracked. Uh, get to you stuff. Um, but like, um, what did you think? Okay, so the question was, um, uh, what did Anakin blow up? Is oh that... yeah, he shot out the ship's main reactor core. And you remember the name of that? I just thought you had a name for it. You told me in a note. No. For what Anakin ship? Yeah. It's yeah. called an N one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, and did the core have a name? Did he? Okay. I think. All right. Cool. All right. So, um, meanwhile, back to the the fight between Darth Maul and Obi Wan. Darth Maul, the barbecue man. <laughs> Bar- Darth Maul is a barbecue sauce in St. Louis. Sorry. Um, meanwhile, uh, he uses um, the Force to move. Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber towards him. This is Obi-Wan. And he jumps in midair, grabs the green lightsaber, and, and slices Maul in half, seemingly killing him. Um, that little spoiler. Darth, oh, wait, let me ask you, is, is Darth Maul dead? Um, to- totally. Totally, okay. <laughs> no, no spoiler. So, uh, he did that with two two thumbs up. I'll just say that. All right. Um, so, Obi-Wan rushes over to his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, who tells him, no, it's too late. Obi-Wan, promise. Promise me you'll train the boy. Yes, master. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn says, he is the chosen one. He will bring balance. Train him. Those are Qui-Gon's last words. Uh, Chancellor Palpatine arrives um, a little time later. Um, and he commends Obi-Wan for his bravery and tells Anakin that we will watch your career with great interest. Of course, he doesn't laugh. But that's what I'm thinking. And apparently we learn, oh, wait. And so when I was watching this, I thought that Padme wasn't the queen at all. I was so confused, but um, I guess I, I guess I get confused easily. I don't know. But I, I was talking to my friend Andrew, and he was like saying, "No, no, Padme, Padme really was the queen. She was, was the queen. She was the queen. You know, she wasn't the faux queen or anything. You know, the decoy." Um, Obi Wan um, then uh, was talking to Yoda. And Yoda doesn't want to doesn't want Anakin to be trained as as a Jedi, but Obi Wan tell I mean Yoda doesn't want Anakin to be trained as a Jedi, but Obi Wan says Qui Gon Jinn believed in him, and Yoda says the chosen one the boy may be. Nevertheless, grave danger I fear in his training, and Yoda eventually relents to Obi Wan training Anakin. Uh, then there is this fiery burial of Qui Gon Jinn, and at the burial, um. Mace Windu, so Samuel Jackson's character, says that Darth Maul must have been a Sith Lord. And Yoda says that there must have been two, no more, no less, a master and an apprentice. And then the camera angle focuses on Senator Palpatine. Hint, hint. And I remember there was that quote there that you said you really liked, Andrew, that Yoda said. Yeah, he said, uh, to paraphrase it, he says, the master or the apprentice, which one did we kill? Right. Um, yeah. And even though we know which one we, he killed, just because the movies exist, spoiler. Right. Um, right. 
uh, yeah, I mean, the characters don't know that. Why would they know if Maul wasn't a uh, or not? They didn't get the chance to interrogate him. Right. Right. Um, and then at the end, there's this parade and celebration in the streets, and there's this blue lightning ball thingy, I don't know, that's given to the King of the Gungans, and he holds it up high and yells, Peace! And Padme and Anakin share a few, few glances, and that's it. And then when uh, one final comment is that when the credits roll, it says for a character's job of the hut, and it says that it was played by himself. Um, how did that work? I, I mean, is there a job of the hut that was just running around? I mean, is, are aliens real? That's what I want to know, Andrew. Does Jabba the Hutt exist? He's on Area 51. <laughs> Is he in Area 51? What happened to him? He just came down for this movie. And <laughs> so, just joking. All right, so um, we're um, we're all, we um, got about fifteen minutes left. Um, I want to talk with Andrew about some character description, and then we'll focus on the quotes for the last part. So there were some uh, characters want to like. Okay, Talk so Qui-Gon Jinn, I should say the tragedy of Qui-Gon Jinn is because I don't think that they really built upon him as much as they could have, and he died too soon for them to have that chance later. Yeah. Is I like how much he's kind of a rogue Jedi. It, it kind of, it's a neat way to build upon the whole critique of the Jedi is by having him constantly not be very Jedi-like. Uh like, for one, the whole decision to uh, have him consciously choose Anakin over his mother and mm. Tatooine. But also, as you, as is implied during the Jedi Council sequence, he they don't really like him very much. He disagrees with them on pretty much everything. That's true. Um, that and, and just in general, you can tell that he was very ready to take Anakin as his apprentice as far as just to train him. Just he Anakin beyond just like the age thing of he's too old to get in, you could tell how very unorthodox he was because of his background. And with how Qui-Gon's background is as a Jedi disagreeing with the Jedi and everything, you could uh, tell that he would have definitely been able to match his how he trains Jedi to match Anakin. And there's a lot of debate amongst us fans as to whether or not Anakin would have ever become Vader at all if mm. Qui-Gon survived to train him rather than Obi-Wan. Because yeah. oh, you can see Obi-Wan fighting Qui-Gon a lot because he's constantly talking uh, about what did Master Yoda say about this? Right. He's used to a more orthodox Jedi structure. Right. And that's kind of why he failed Anakin. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it! Now I know what happens in episode three. I'm Tom Holland, guys. I keep spoiling. <laughs> oh, that's your secret identity. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. Just to see how um, Obi Wan. It seems like he's always challenging uh, um, Qui Gon Jinn, and and you know, it just. I mean, I don't know. I just. It would be interesting to have seen if if Qui-Gon Jinn would have survived, how Anakin could have turned out differently. So, but the other um, character I'd like to talk about though too is uh, Palpatine. One of my minor—I shouldn't really say minor—but as far as just how I feel about it, I don't really get necessarily angry about—is 
I kind of think that this is a movie that they should have skipped out on in the trilogy as far as just how it fits in. I think it would have worked better as a Star Wars story movie like Rogue One. Mm. Uh, just because we don't really need to see Anakin at this age. Though it's no. still an interesting story because it's about Palpatine in this one. No. So to get more of the main point about Palpatine, I really like how they portray him as this like scheming politician that's like trying to climb the ropes and screw people over in order yeah. to get to the top. It's very Machiavellian. It is. It is. Yeah. Because... Um, and he's just like always all smiles. He's always tra- he's trying to get the queen to agree to this treaty or, or, or get him to be promoted chancellor or senator or whatever. And just like he's always. Well, know. and I love the, the detail, too, as far as just like how how it is that the movie was able to go on for as long as it was. Uh, some people miss this is that he's talking to uh, Gunray and his assistant about how basically. He's going to sit there and stall the Senate in pointless conjecture so that they won't be able to leave the Senate meeting and act upon this invasion of Naboo. It was mm. a really clever plan of his. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we go to the quotes? Or do you want to talk about something else, another character? Or, or any other final words before we go to the quotes? Or? So one last thing I wanted to say about the Darth Maul fight before moving oh, yeah. on to the quotes. That's fine. Um. Another thing people know amiss with that one is how the fight is. As I mentioned before, the fight was about capturing rather than killing Darth Maul. They wanted to know who in the Senate, who in the world was Darth Sidious, if he was the Master of the Apprentice or whatever. They wanted to capture him and interrogate him. Mm -hmm. So when you're watching the fight choreography, you can tell how many times Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are purposely hitting his lightsaber just right. trying to probe for his defenses to try to knock, knock him it down. out. Yeah. And, and it's, it's only when Qui-Gon is killed by Maul because of that stupid door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That all of a sudden you see Obi-Wan is actually trying to kill Maul. Right. Because he realizes that he's not going to come quietly. He's there just, is no way. Th- yeah. Well, even the come quietly part, it's also just Obi-Wan uh, realizes. I am not nearly well trained enough to take on this dude. Yeah, my only himself. hope is to kill him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe if there was four Jedi against Darth Maul, maybe they could unman him. Well, I don't but... understand why they didn't send the whole entire Jedi Council against him. But, um... Yeah, like, come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, they sit on their. They got like Nick the Fury. They got Nick Fury. They should have used him. Well, and that's what you see too. Besides, just as far as the more necessity of killing him. Uh, I've talked with you about this before, is that uh, you can kind of tell Obi-Wan is really pissed off. He's channeling some dark side energy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can tell with how furious and just how much oh, right. his fight style changes. Like, yeah. Instead of, like, probing, swing, 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 right. it, it's he's, like, just, like, hitting hard and hitting fast. He's, like, the, right. he, he turns into the Flash in this fight. Yeah, he sure does. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, because he realizes that you killed my mentor... That's it, you know. You're not gonna, you know. It's kind of like, I don't know. In a, in a way, you know, it's kind of like when if a police, uh, you know, finds a robber or something, they try to get him to, they try to disarm them or have him surrender. But if he fires back and is trying to shoot at the police, then the police have, you know, I they they have to use lethal force or if necessary. But I know that's really controversial nowadays. But, 
um, unfortunately, but... Um, well, and two, um, so a lot of people like to say, uh, why didn't Darth Maul smack him down? Uh, he had the high ground. Well, okay, for one, why are you criticizing something based on a meme? That's, that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, that's your yeah. argument. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't taken seriously. Yeah. But also, I mean, yeah, because of the skill thing, too, I, I don't really have any uh, real trouble believing that Maul was probably just totally stunned that uh, Obi-Wan just, like, jumped out from nothing. Right, right, yeah. All righty. So, um, good stuff there, good analysis. Um, so let's just talk about a few quotes. Um, so near, um, near the beginning of the movie, we have, um, the two Jedi, uh, Qui-Con Jinn and, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi are talking to each other and Qui-Gon Jinn says, don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Obi-Wan says, but Master, Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. Qui-Gon Jinn says, but not at the expense of the moment. So I'm just going to say what I thought, and I'll just I'll go, I'll see, see what you think of that. So I think that what, what is Qui-Gon Jinn trying to say here? Is it an anti-daydreaming word of advice? Uh, it must mean something more. Uh, we're all anxious about something. I think it is to... Um, not as much to not be Superman and not think of your anxieties at all, but not let them overtake you in the heat of a serious moment. So, um, what do you think? Yeah, it's consumption. So many, so many of us have these anxieties and fears about like basically, uh, what I want to be or what I want to do that we sit there and constantly think, uh, uh, let consume us instead of saying, uh, okay, I can have these hopes, but let them be in the horizon instead of in my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, so another quote: Obi Wan thinks that the boy Anakin is dangerous, and Anakin says, "I don't want to be a problem." Uh, Quiet Conjun tells him, "Always remember, your focus determines your reality." Uh, interesting quote. Um, I'd actually look up the word focus in the dictionary, but <laughs> it's just terrible. But it says, according to Google, focus is the center of interest or activity. And I guess Qui-Con Jinn is saying that if Anakin won't be a problem or saying, um, then his focus is not to be a problem. It might be common sense, but one can say that maybe if we want to affect good change, we must be that good change. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? I oh, think he nailed it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Anakin says to his mom, Mom, you say the biggest problem in this universe is nobody helps each other. Um, so I would say, well, this may not be the biggest problem in the universe, but probably ranks up in the top ten. Uh, we've come a long way in some ways, but we've got a long ways to go in others. There are still many selfish, non-caring people who just think of themselves and not others. Uh, now, I get it. We all have busy lives and things. Um, so we can't always be like joining up. You know, maybe we don't have time to join the weekly soup kitchens and volunteer and things like that. I, I understand that. But just in everyday life, like I would say that if you 
see a person in need and if you're able to help, especially if you see that somebody is not trying to scam you into helping them, then you try to help them. Uh, what do you think? Um, I think that it's really inspiring that we should try to do more to help out our fellow man. But I also do think within the context of the movie, it's kind of a bit more cynical, honestly. As far as just kind of provide a bit of character development to Anakin and show how, honestly, especially as a kid, but even later on in the trilogy, how kind of naive he is. I mean, as far as, like, he sees the world in a very black and white view. That doesn't change even by Revenge of the Sith, is that he he sees a lot of good and bad, especially because of his upbringing with slaves. I mean, and considering that, yeah, there's not really a lot of room for gray. Yeah, right, because there's... Everything is not black and white. Um, this one last quote, um, sort of. So it's a two-parter. Um, Qui-Gon tells Anakin that he is no longer a slave and we trained as a Jedi. And Qui-Gon tells Anakin that uh, our meeting was not a coincidence. Nothing happens by accident. So that's the first part. Um, so the whole idea about fate and coincidence um so what is coincidence do coincidences always exist is everything a coincidence um i would say that if you go to the store and you find a box of cereal that you really like that happens to be on clearance for a dollar and you go pick that up and you buy that you're like oh look i found this dollar box of cereal on clearance I think it's a coincidence that you find that cereal and, you know, you just so happen to find it and you, you, that's yours, you buy. But maybe a serious thing such as, I don't know, you happen, I'll just use from a personal story how I, briefly, how I found my wife. I got invited over to a friend's house and uh, another woman uh, use was, was there that doesn't live there. She was at a friend, you know, her friend was there as well. And... You know, one thing led to another, and then a few weeks later, I met one of the requests to be your friend on Facebook, and then, you know, a couple years later, we got married, you know, I would say that, you know, that's kind of like, I don't know if that's fate or not, but I would say that, you know, that would be less of a coincidence. I would think that that was supposed, I feel like that was supposed to happen. Um, So I've been married for seven years now, so happily married, so. Um, what do you think about Qui-Gon Jinn's talking about, um, his meeting not being a coincidence? I definitely don't think George intended to really say anything about fate or, but I think those subjects are still interesting to talk about more so like a broader universal sense. Okay. Um, so you think that feel like, um, it's, uh, uh, do you feel about like, like everything happens for a reason or some things do or some things don't? Or, I, I mean, generally think that things that are meant to happen, happen. Although I'm not like barred from the possibility of like uh, any religious listeners, like divine yeah. intervention. Okay, sure. Uh, all right. Um, and you know, I'm just going to say one other quote it's kind of funny um Watto is upset that Anakin won the race and Qui-Gon Jinn tells him 
Whenever you gamble, my friend, eventually you'll lose. I mean, um, I mean, is this like a, just a, a, an anti-gambling PSA? Um, Qui-Gon didn't probably use this for comedic effect. Um, what do you think, Andrew? Probably. I mean, that's all those commercials were around back then. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think it's kind of a neat quote. I, I don't, even though, again, it's not intentional, I like to think it kind of ties back into the like the, feet, the things we were talking about before, about like, just fate and coincidence and everything. It's kind of nice to think about it that way, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, because definitely, definitely. Um, well, those are the main uh, quotes I just picked out from the movie. Um, and uh, uh, it's been uh, some great expert... Um, I'm, it's been great discussing them with you, Andrew. And there's another thing, Andrew, you said you wanted to talk about too? Okay, because I have uh, ADHD brain. Uh, <laughs> let's finish, uh, so I remember something every five minutes. Uh, so, we love it. Even though Revenge of the Sith is unanimously considered the best prequel like by a long shot, I think one thing uh, people kind of fail to pay lip service to is I think in terms of just being a Star Wars movie, I kind of consider this one the best one. It has that uh, hmm. consistent like this action adventure tone that the original trilogy had while even though I definitely love Revenge of the Sith in Attack of the Clones go way more for like a winter soldier sort of like political thriller tone and hmm. story setup yeah I mean um, it has been a while since I have seen uh, Attack of the Clones but I sure am looking forward to <laughs> Uh, Sand. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. No. Uh, but um, yeah, and and in the second one, the Attack of the Clones, Anakin is at least what eighteen. I think he's around that age. I know he's in his teens. Like, Teenagers. It's yeah. nine years from uh, Phantom Menace. So whatever. Okay. So seven. Nine, nine to ten. So. Yeah, whatever eight, eight plus nine or ten is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> less than twenty-four. <laughs> oh, I'm the math teacher, right? So seventeen or eighteen. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we're good. Anything else? I'm good. Any final comments? So um, let's just um, uh, yeah, let, let's just end it right there. Uh, Want to thank you. Uh, Andrew, for being on the show today. Uh, great insight, great comments, great commentary, uh, great, great jokes, great things to make me laugh at. You know, we, we laughed, we laughed a lot today. It was awesome. Um, just really enjoyed doing this with you. So, um, and thank you, audience, for listening to us. And uh, I'm not sure when exactly I'll get the episode two podcast out. I'm, but, um, I might do a solo episode, the next one, but then the one after that, I, I still have to think about it, but, um, hopefully we can do this again soon, Andrew. So thanks for joining us today. So, uh, that'll be it for today. Um, have a great day, everyone. Uh, keep staying strong and, um, Help, help others when they're in need and things like that. Keep doing wonderful things and being you. Take care.